0: Welcome to this season two episode of the Suite podcast. I'm your host, Donna Peters. I am a career coach for people who want a life, who want to live with what I call a Suite mindset. Just like leaders in the C-suite, we need to do three things well in our own personal lives. First, letting our personal core values guide our decisions. Second, keeping our day-to-day life running smoothly. And third, staying fresh and relevant for the future that we wish to have. Here, our guests balance the aspirational with the practical by sharing tips on what we can start doing differently on Monday to lead our lives with a Me Suite mindset. The number one thing I've learned is that people are amazing if you give them a chance to tell their unique stories. So let's get in there. On today's episode of the Me Suite, I am welcoming Court Wakefield. Court is a digital strategist, a speaker, a podcast host, and I am very thrilled to illuminate the podcast for folks' sake, F-O-L-K-X, that Court is the co-founder and co-host of. Some of the episodes in this podcast are topics on important things such as inclusive language, inclusive parenting, health disparities, legally non-binary, and I was very interested in bringing Court into the Me Suite to talk about the intersection that Court leads with work and with life, with family, with passion around children. You know, in the Me Suite, we have a mantra and a remit around staying fresh and relevant for the future that we want to have. And I can think of no greater connection to the future that we want to live in than the way we are nurturing and raising children. So the honest truth is I'm really not exactly sure where this conversation will completely go, but I know that we will learn a lot. Welcome, Court Wakefield, to the Me Suite.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Donna.
0: So, Court, we start with the core values. What are your core values and how have they guided decisions in your life?
1: I have to say, I think my my most core value is personal accountability. Okay. My mom, from the time that I was very young, would always, if, if somebody did something to me and I responded in a way that was perhaps not the best, you know, I mm-hmm. would say, well, mom, you know, they started it or they did this or they did that. And she would say, you know, Courtney, that's great and and important to acknowledge that that other people sometimes do negative things, but that's for them to deal with. Mm. And that's for their mom to deal with, or I'll deal with them about that later. But what we and you and I need to talk about is what you did. Ah. The only person that you can control is yourself. And the only person that can respond, that can change the narrative and respond more positively to something negative is you. Mm-hmm. And so it's your personal responsibility to, to be the person that you want to be despite what's around you. So I think personal accountability and personal responsibility is probably like the most foundational thing um, Mm. of just, you know, just taking responsibility and saying, you know, I I can have a positive impact on this despite what somebody else is doing. And then I think just because of growing up queer in the South, in a very evangelical church, Mm. justice has always been a really um, important thing to me. When I I I think when you experience injustice, it makes Mm. the injustices of other people more apparent to you. And so I've always been, I've always felt really compelled to make sure that other people didn't experience the same kinds of injustice that I experienced.
0: Wow. You have a daughter Mm -hmm. who is how old now?
1: She's going to be two on January 7th.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be bringing forth the personal responsibility and the justice? It's just in your DNA.
1: Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, we already kind of have started that from the way that we talk to Keply. You know, we don't mm-hmm. just say no. Mm. We say, I can't let you hurt me or oh. I can't let you, you know, really explaining and, and being more relational. I think it's called conscious parenting or something like that, that yeah. there's this whole kind of movement around it. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, it's all about talking to your kids in a relational way. Hey, yeah. when you do that, it hurts. It's yes. not just no, it's really helping them understand the way that their actions impact others. And so, yeah, we've already definitely started, started uh, making sure that those things were things that she's aware of. And, you know, we were, we have tons of books. Uh, Mm -hmm. books that our friends have recommended to us, books that we've found online that show all different kinds of people from all different kinds of backgrounds and are really honest in an age-appropriate way about the injustices in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I think as she gets older, we'll be able to talk more about how she doesn't experience a lot of those things, but does experience Mm. some of them. And we'll have laid a foundation to be able to have those conversations so that they're not seen with shame. I think a lot of times we we talk in hushed tones in hmm. front of children about mm. some of these things and what and they don't know that uh why you're talking in hushed tones. All they can perceive is that this is something we don't talk about. It's right. something shameful. Right. And so by having those conversations out loud and not uh talking in hushed tones, we can help her to just feel comfortable talking about those things.
0: Yeah. Well, you're making me feel more positive about the future direction of this planet with somebody like your daughter in it. I think she's going to have an amazing childhood. I I hope so. I mean, I'm sure that
1: will screw her up in some ways. All parents do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to read for the listeners this beautiful quote that was from your LinkedIn profile. I don't think I've ever seen one quite so deliberate. and And I loved it. You said, my professional mission is to cultivate space where people can experience empathy and empowerment. Mm-hmm. I arrived at this mission through working with an executive coach.
1: Okay. And he really challenged me to think about, okay, what are all the things you do? hmm And why do you do all this stuff? He said, you know, Courtney, you do this podcast and you mm-hmm. do this work at a nonprofit and you volunteer in these ways and you do... Why? Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I don't know. It's just what I do. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, it's not just what you do. What's What's behind that? Yeah. And um, so I started thinking about one of the things that was a real catalyst in some of this work was that my daughter at the beginning of last year, in January of last year, she was born uh, four months early. So she Mm -hmm. was born at 24 weeks and five days. Okay. She had a lot of challenges. She spent uh, 97 days in the NICU, Ooh. and interestingly, spent 97 days in the NICU where I work. So I work oh. at the Children's Hospital where she spent time in the NICU, mm-hmm. and you know, I really my experience with the healthcare system that I work in had yeah. been extremely positive from mm-hmm. a as a queer person. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have benefits that are specifically designed to help queer people. They were doing same-sex partner benefits long before it was required by law. Uh, Uh, You know, I mean, especially being located in Dallas, they were very open and affirming in terms of queer families. And so I was really surprised when we were transferred from our birth hospital over to our NICU at, at the Children's Hospital where I work. And I was asked to fill out a form about visitors, people that can come and visit. And I wrote down, there was a space for my wife's name and Mm -hmm. then there was a space for the father. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. my daughter doesn't have a father. Yeah. You know, she has two parents. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, we've been missing the point.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we've
1: been doing all the right things, right? I mean, if you looked at any list of things to do from a diversity and inclusion perspective we were either achieving them or actively working toward doing those things uh-huh. but because we had centralized diversity and inclusion and every corporation does this yeah, every corpor- yeah. uh, you know uh, uh, up until recently right mm-hmm. because we had centralized diversity and inclusion and hadn't decentralized that responsibility to where everyone felt responsible for it oh i see um, whoever built that form wasn't yeah. thinking that they right. weren't thinking about making it inclusive. They were right. thinking about it, making it work for ninety nine percent of the families that came in, and I'm mm-hmm. sure it did. Mm-hmm. And so it made me reflect on, hey, I manage this website for this system. What yeah. what areas have we missed? Uh, and so I created the podcast. I created in order to basically create the resource I wish that the person who made that form had. Yes. I wish that they had had something that as an individual contributor, just one cog in the giant clock that is our organization, Mm -hmm. that they felt empowered to empathize with our families in every way and felt empowered to be able to actually make a difference. So that's where that drive comes from. Mm -hmm. I think we can't create good, positive experiences for people until we feel empowered to do it and we're able to empathize with all of the challenges that they might be facing.
0: Yeah. So let me take that example a little bit further. Would a solution just so elegant and so simple have been that somebody had the awareness and felt responsible enough to make a change that there were two lines that just simply said parent one and parent two? Yes. And that is the solution. That's the solution that yeah. that was implemented. It's that simple, right? It's that easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's but that if, easy but that meaningful. But
1: if your main uh, model for what a family looks like as a right. mother and a father. Yeah. Um, and you've never had that model challenged in a meaningful way, you'll think yeah. about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I completely understand. Yeah. And so you're aware of the me sweet listener, career driven people, mm-hmm. life minded. This is a very tumultuous time in society with not just health related, but uh, social injustice, et cetera. So, so, so many critical issues on the table but you have the ear of people right now, right? As a queer person and Mm -hmm. as an educator, I would say, what advice do you have for listeners right now about the way we can all be showing up differently in our career-driven, life-minded lives? Things that you wish they knew, things you wish I knew, things Mm -hmm. you wish we would all be doing differently. Do you have a, a top list, a top court list? Yeah, I think
1: the number one thing, and this applies really forever, Mm -hmm. is just and it applies honestly, like this is a good this is good advice for your personal relationships. Yeah. Is to get curious. Mm. If there's a a natural reaction that when your worldview is challenged or Mm -hmm. something that you feel strong about is challenged, to feel defensive. You know, you might feel you might feel that feeling in the bottom of your gut. That you might puke or your your hair might stand up on the back of your neck. Mm-hmm. That's a natural feeling. Mm-hmm. It's normal to feel that way. But what you do next can mm. be deliberate, right? You can be, you can be mindful and conscious of those changes in your body, you know, and think, okay, that feeling is coming now. Mm. <laughs> I mm. recognize you, old friend. You're defensive. Yeah. <laughs> and say, Okay, instead of leaning into my defensiveness, I'm going to lean into my curiosity. What this person is saying challenges my beliefs about something. Mm -hmm. And so, gosh, I'm curious about why. What is it that makes you believe this thing? Yeah. You know, tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. Hey, this has been my experience, which has been slightly different. I wonder why your experience has been different than mine. Mm -hmm. Just leaning into that curiosity can completely change the dynamic. I think sometimes we approach diversity and inclusion as if we're on two separate teams in a debate. Mm. You know, there's people that are for diversity and inclusion and people that aren't, right? Rarely is that ever actually the case, right? Like most people want to be inclusive. Most people want things to be equitable. Mm -hmm. Now they may have different beliefs about how we achieve that, but most people are after the same aim. So how can we stop having the conversation as if it's a debate Mm. and start having the conversation as if we're on one team Mm. going in the same direction and collaboratively working together and be getting curious about each other's perspectives to achieve that. So that's my number one thing is just to, to get curious You know, if I had to, to say like specific things that, that we need to do in order to make things more equitable in the future, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to do that as an individual person, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can build a diverse team, Mm -hmm. but we, okay. So like thinking about the quote that the Wells Fargo CEO made recently about how.
0: Yes, pool of cool qualified candidates.
1: Yes, yes, that the yes. That There's a lack, quote unquote, lack of black talent. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I lead a team of people where I think there's nine of us. Uh, two of us are white. We're very high performing team. We mm-hmm. blow our goals out of the water mm-hmm. every year. I didn't hire those people to meet a quota. Yeah. I hired them because they were the best candidate for the job. But the problem with leadership and networks is mm-hmm. that most. People who are white Mm -hmm. have one black friend for every 91 white friends that they have. Yeah. Most black people have seven white friends for every 83 black friends that they've got. Mm. That's true, obviously, for racial divides, but it probably also is true when you're talking about other isms, other, you know, others, Mm -hmm. and... So what we need to do as leaders and as people who care about diversity and inclusion is Mm -hmm. say, what can I do to participate in making our neighborhoods and our communities more diverse and more inclusive so that my network is different? Yes. Because until my network is different, I mean, we all know it's who you know, not what you know. Yeah, yeah. In the last 11 years, every job I've got has been because I knew somebody who worked on the team. Yeah. And so if our networks are systematically keeping these marginalized groups from getting jobs mm-hmm. uh, not because they're not qualified, not because they're not educated, not because there's a quote-unquote lack of black talent, but because my network is too homogenous because yeah, these networks are too homogenous.
0: Yeah. This is such a practical specific example and so timely. I saw a definition of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging the other day. You know, it, it, over the last several months, this new acronym has been evolving for DEI and B. Mm-hmm. So, diversity was the fact, equity was the choice, inclusion is the action, and mm. belonging is the outcome. Oh, I like that. Did that ring true with you? Yeah, I think so. And if you don't feel like you
1: belong, and mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're worthy of belonging, to put it in Brene Brown's Yes, whereas you know you're gonna do that rank ordering. Mm. you're going to try to make yourself better than other people because you don't feel like you inherently are worthy of mm-hmm. blogging, so mm-hmm. it totally makes sense that that has been added in there, and I think, gosh, it's gonna be so important, especially as we call in those of us who are not marginalized in certain areas to this conversation. Mm -hmm. to really focus on making sure that they feel worthy of belonging in the conversation as well.
0: So I have a wild question. Tell me if you think it's a worthy question. Do you feel that the force of technology right now, we can't be in the office running into people in the hallways, in the cafeteria. Do you feel that technology is making it easier for us to be building diversity in that community or do you think that it's making it more difficult or no change?
1: Probably making it easier in some ways and more difficult than others, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think the fact that you don't have to... So like, for example, at Children's, we have never really done work from home ever, Uh, right? So if mm -hmm. you don't live like within 30 or 45 minutes of our corporate office, that you can't really work for us. You know I mean? Oh, okay. Unless you're willing to make a two-hour commute. Wow. And Dallas is an expensive place to live. Mm-hmm. It's not the most expensive place to live, but it's getting more and more expensive. Yeah. And so definitely that could lock certain people out of being right. able to to come work for us from a socioeconomic level. And I think having the ability to work from home mm-hmm. definitely makes it easier for us to find candidates who we might leave out otherwise. Yeah, interesting. It's already hard to communicate, right? Mm-hmm. And then think about doing a job interview where you're nervous. Yeah. You know, you're in your home. I I mean, I think even about like doing a job interview and like what's in your background. Yes, absolutely. You know, like if your home is very well put together and polished, like mm-hmm. I certainly, I'm in my bedroom right now as we record this podcast, and I certainly wouldn't want my bed to be in the background. Yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. you know. And yeah. I, I think about how that might impact people. So if somebody lives in a cheap apartment versus living in a nice loft, right, and the quality of their linens that you might see in the background, mm-hmm. you wouldn't overtly have that influence your decision, but yeah. at an unconscious bias level, it might impact your decision. So, you know, I I don't know. It might be a wash. I mean, it kind of mm. remains to be seen. Well, yeah. The data will show us how this has helped or hurt
0: different communities. You reminded me of, there's a lot of scrutiny now of, more celebrities that are on Zoom being interviewed and people are scrutinizing their uh, the books in the background. Oh, interesting. Right, Re- reading what's on the spine of the book, what books are in your library, what do the books in your library say about you as a person. Wow, fascinating. Yeah, so a lot lot of judgment going on about what's in your environment. And you know, what if you're in a room in a job interview with a baby changing table behind you, yeah. where in a normal job interview, it's against the law to ask about
1: babies. Yeah, 100%.
0: So I I don't really have an answer to this question I asked, but I do think things are really evolving quickly. And I, But I love the perspective you had about we might actually be opening ourselves up to broader pools of talent when you don't have the geographic proximity problem. Yeah. I never thought about it.
1: One thing that has been really surprising to me too is Mm. I've really leaned in with my team of just having real honest conversations about George Floyd. Mm. About Breonna Taylor, about what's happening. And I think the fact that we aren't sitting in the same room and we're not physically vulnerable to one oh. another makes it easier for us to be emotionally vulnerable.
0: Interesting. That's
1: been a really interesting observation to me. Mm-hmm. And also, I think there's a certain thing about you can't actually look someone directly in the eye yeah. on Zoom. Yeah. And so you're getting. To see, So you can't really be accidentally intimidating by looking yeah. somebody in the eye. Yeah. And also, you can see everyone's facial reactions all at once, whereas you might not be able to see that in a room. So if I say something in a conversation, I can see that it made David's eyes twitch, you know, mm-hmm. or that, mm-hmm. that this person leaned in or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and I can say, okay, hey, tell me more about that reaction. Why did that not sit well with you? Or or just even to be aware of it, Mm -hmm. you know, self-aware. I I think that there are definitely some positive things about
0: having some of these really tough
1: conversations Mm -hmm. in the format of Zoom.
0: Yeah, I love that too, because I'm also thinking about some of the safe space conversations that I've been having over the last month uh, at at a place of work where I'm a, a faculty member. And some people were willing and felt very comfortable contributing with voice mm-hmm. and other people were more active contributing in the chat. Oh, interesting. Right? And that would never have been possible if you were sitting in a room together. Yeah, it wouldn't. Otherwise, you'd be passing notes and that's passive. That's aggressive. awkward. <laughs> yeah, that's awkward. Or uh, here, let me slip you my post-it note. So yeah, you're giving me some creative ideas about how there are some benefits here to the to the technology, which is not going away for us in the next six months that I can see.
1: No, I don't think so. Yeah. We're at
0: home for the foreseeable future until mm-hmm. things get better. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, you're making me think differently, which was the point and I appreciate it. So in the Me Suite, we're aspirational but practical. What advice do you have for listeners about things that we should start doing differently on Monday?
1: I think a lot of the diversity and inclusion stuff, especially for those of us that we're not in a diversity and inclusion role, mm-hmm. is... Extra. It's on top of our job or we can kind of perceive it that Mm. way. And if you're not the type of person who sets really good boundaries Mm -hmm. about their schedule and their time. And this is, this is true about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But when I think specifically about things like diversity and inclusion, which are seen as being extra. Yeah. It's even more important to block time in your calendar that is specifically for being strategic for thinking about your long-term vision, for mm-hmm. thinking about things that are about people and not getting the job done. Mm-hmm. If you don't set that boundary and really protect your calendar in that mm-hmm. way and protect that time, it won't get done. It's mm-hmm. not going to get done in the 15 minutes or the five minutes between Zoom calls. Yeah, got to be intentional about setting that time. And I think, the second thing to start doing, maybe you start doing this on Tuesday, okay, is uh, in your one on ones mm-hmm. to solicit feedback and okay. to really be grateful for mm. people when they give you feedback, okay because you're gonna solicit feedback from people, and you can be specific, you can say, "Hey, how am I doing on this inclusion thing?" Mm-hmm. Um, most people are Most people, most of the time are going to tell you you're doing great and they're going to be lying. Okay. Uh, You know, there, there's definitely things that you can always do better. We know that. Mm -hmm. But if you continually in every one on one solicit that feedback and go over the top about being Mm -hmm. grateful and not being defensive Mm -hmm. when they give you that feedback, you will get more of it. And that is going to help you uh, to tackle some of these problems. Because, you know, you might not be aware that you can be condescending sometimes. Yes. That's something I, I get accused of uh, that I think about all the time. Okay, okay. You know, I've come off as condescending. Okay. How can I, how can I uh, you know, um, make sure that I'm coming off as more empathetic? Things like that, right? Okay. So some of these things can be hard to receive. It can be hard to receive that you come off as condescending. For sure. So, you know, just keep soliciting that feedback and keep being grateful for it. You're going to get the things that you need to be a better leader.
0: Yeah. All right. So very specific and very inspirational. Court, you're making the world a better place. And I really appreciate you sharing your time with us. I want to encourage the listeners once again that Court's podcast is called For Folk's Sake. It's F-O-L-K-X and just a tremendous library already of amazing, valuable topics. And I hope people take a chance to learn from you. This is Court Wakefield, everybody.
1: Thank you so much,
0: Donna. This
1: podcast is also making the world a better place. So thank you for all the work that you're doing and uh, keep at it.
0: Subscribe to the podcast and give us five stars if you like what you're hearing. And learn more about the MeSuite career coaching and professional development at themesuite.com. It's the me dash suite.com. Suite is spelled like executive suite. This is Donna Peters, and I thank you for having me in your ear right now. Find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life minded.